Please be seated. Good afternoon. Um, before I start with putting first thing first, <laughs> let me put some other first things first. Things first. Uh, yesterday, we, um, a, a bunch of us, about 30 of us, went to uh, Batam and uh, uh, we sponsor children through school there. So I've got some interesting pictures that I'll show you. Uh, yeah, well, I have uh, two professors uh, scooping up uh, vegetables into packets and then we had a feeding program. I think Batam has, uh, we feed uh, the poor in the slums uh, two or three times a week. So that's, uh, you, you seldom see Benny doing this in the kitchen, okay, because his wife Brenda is such a great cook. Uh, this is my niece, Macy, on the left, and uh, the child that her family sponsors. Uh, roughly the same age, one born in Singapore, one born in Indonesia, and the lives are so different. But we can make a difference too uh, as we help these children, as we pray for them, and give just a very little amount of money to get them through school, and, and perhaps their, their whole life uh, trajectory will be changed as a result of our blessing them. Uh, I think I did tell you that if I had two daughters, what would I name them? Faith and Grace. So this is, these are my Faith and Grace. Uh, on the left is Worman, and on, my, uh, and on your right is uh, Handayani. Uh, one on the, the one on your left wants to be a singer. The one on the right wants to be a doctor. And I pray that they can make their life wish come through. So I asked ask Worman, uh, who's... Uh, Who's your favorite singer? She gave me an Indonesian name. And I said, no, what about an international singer? An international singer that I'm familiar with. And she said, JB. What's JB? I said, no, please, not Justin Bieber. <laughs> Her favorite is Justin Bieber. Okay. And now uh, this was uh, one of the IBC students uh, leading them in prayer uh, before they have their food uh, at, the, at the feeding program. And I just see the the intensity of their prayer, it just fills my heart with faith and with encouragement. And this is uh, the best moustache, a uh, milk moustache I've seen uh, in my life, okay? And I managed to catch, catch a picture of this guy. Uh, it's just so fun yesterday. Okay, so let's put first things first. And I want to do a, a very simple survey. What do you do first and what do you do second, okay? Are you a sock, sock, shoe, shoe person? Or are you a sock, shoe, sock, shoe person? You know what I mean? Do you put on your socks on both feet first and then wear your shoes? Or do you put one sock first and then one shoe, one sock and one shoe? Okay, it's a pointless, it's a pointless survey. <laughs> but I thought it's just fun. Um, but what about people, do you know anyone who put on their shoe first and then put their socks on? None, right? But what about people who put on the pants first and then put their underwear on? There are, right? Uh, there are. Like these two guys. Um, so our, our series on Roots and Wings brings us uh, to... It's, it's actually um, what is called an uh, eightfold curriculum. It's an integrative uh, Bible study guide for discipleship. And we start with biblical theology. Who God is. Who God is determines who we pledge allegiance to, and which also determines our identity. So our biblical identity as children of God tells us what our biblical purpose is, 
and hence our values. Uh, our elder Vincent talked about biblical values last week, and our values then will guide our priorities. What we put first in life, whether we put pants on first and then underwear, or the proper way around. And if our values drive our priorities, then can you sort of figure out what values does a man have in order to put on the pants first and then the underwear? You know? uh, go figure that one out, and when you figure it out, let me know. Uh, I, I thought about it for a split second, and I thought it's probably got something to do with, with lots of money and Hollywood or MTV, something like that. Okay? But if you have other reasons, let me know. Let me try another example. There was a woman who bought a, a parrot to keep her company, but the very next day she returned the parrot to the pet shop and she told the owner, this bird doesn't talk. And so the store owner says, uh, does he have a mirror in, in the cage? You know, parrots love mirrors. When they see their own reflection, it will help them to start a conversation. And so this woman bought a mirror, brought it home. The next day she came back and she said, bird still doesn't talk. And the pet shop owner says, does your parrot have a ladder? And you know, parrots love ladders. And a happy parrot is a talkative parrot. So the woman bought a ladder, put it into the cage, and the next day she returned to the pet shop. My parrot still doesn't talk. Then the store owner said, perhaps your parrot needs a swing, you know. Uh, and then when the parrot has to have a swinging good time, they will start talking. So the woman bought a swing, brought it back home, and the next day she came back. This time, she came back really moody and angry. So the pet owner said, so what's the matter now? Well, the parrot that you sold me died. And the pet, owner, uh, pet, shop, uh, pet shop owner says, well, I'm, I'm so sorry, but did your parrot have any last words before it died? And the, owner, uh, the, the, the lady who bought the parrot says, yes. He finally talked. In a very weak voice, my parrot said, Oah! Don't you sell any food at the store? Biblical va values lead to biblical priorities. If the value of the parrot to you is just to entertain you with his speech, then you will buy mirrors, you will buy ladders, and you will buy swings. If the value of the parrot to you is that you want a pet to care for, then you will buy the parrot food. Right? We have a purpose-driven life, a God-purposed life. God created us to love us, and so we love Him in return, and we love our neighbor as ourselves. And our purposes will tell us what our values should be. And what you value, you will prioritize. What you value, you will put first. And our values directs us that the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. You've heard all that before, that our values will guide us to major on the major and not the minor. And we cannot talk about priorities without talking about values. So what are your values? What, is, what are PPH's values? I came up with this many years ago, and these, uh, I put it down in our M1, our membership guide, uh, that you can see on the right, right side. I call it the four core care values. These are the four values that you can find in our M1, our membership guide. We use this 
for our um, baptism classes. And I like to think that even if you have not memorized this or have not come across this, it is like embedded in your life already. Even if you, you cannot regurgitate this, it is deep inside uh, of us because it's something that, that we, we preach and we talk about and we encourage. So firstly, a community to, to grow with. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 25 tells us that so that, that there will be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. The second verse there, Hebrews 10.25, says, Let us not give up meeting together as some are in a habit of doing, but let us encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. The Bible tells us not to give up, not to de- neglect the community, not to neglect meeting together because we have the very tendency to do so. And we are so active in so many areas that, that many of our activities will crowd out our schedules, especially on a Friday night and especially on Sundays. So I want to encourage you to block out Friday nights if, if your cell group meets on Friday night, to block out Sunday morning so that you, you will give priority to the community because they need you. You are part of that body and every one of you meeting here this Sunday is important to this community. Last week, we had a full-time staff retreat and you have heard from, from Choi Yong, she only shared like five minutes, but she had like 20 or 30 minutes uh, where we had our retreat and each one of our missionaries um, shared. And, and what they shared, their faithfulness to their calling fills my heart with faith. What they do thousands of miles away is so important to me and to the rest of us by hearing the story. And every story, story was like therapy to my soul. It's like, wow, if God can work that way uh, for him and her. It's so instructional to me that yes, when they pray, God simply provides. You know, Choi Young started out in the middle of the 2010, one person plunked in the middle of Chengdu, a huge city, just walking the streets. And now she has a company, she has co-workers, she has volunteers, and able to influence uh, so many lives. And all the struggles they, they go through as part of the community, even though she's far away, challenges me and showed me that God is real, God works, and God works in response uh, to prayer. That we are part of this body. In this season, while I'm pastor, I talk a lot, right? I, I, I talk on Sundays, and I share various devotions. If you guys were not around here, this body that meets in PPH would just be one big mouth. No hands, no feet. It would be a total freak. And so we need one another. And I was also just telling our full-time staff that, uh, that I need them. This church needs them, right? Those who go overseas to Chengdu and other parts of China because my Mandarin is lan like crazy. Uh, that means it's broken and horrible. And, and we need them out there. This church needs good administrators, uh, a good church manager. This church needs a person to look after young adults, a person to look after the, the cool uh, children, Chinese-speaking pastors. I can't do what 
what they do, and then they need me. What do they need me principally for? Just to bug them. Bug them constantly about uh, punctuality, uh, about working hours and working hard and sacrificing and working together as a team. And therein, the community that uh, we are. So, so join a community. If you're not yet a member of a care group or a cell group, then, then you need to be cared for. And that group needs you to care for them. The Lord Jesus also had a cell group. You, you may call it that. His 12 disciples together, they work together, and they minister uh, together. There is a poster behind there that, that I think it says join a care group. And there is a little pocket there that lists out all the care groups, uh, the leader, where they meet, uh, the, I think the, the email. So go contact one of them uh, that is convenient for you to join and then join a care group. Minister to someone as well, be ministered to by that cell group. And it could be that some of you do not want to join because of capping. You know what capping is, right? Community adoption and pastoring. So four times a year, we go out to Teban Gardens and we go and bless the community. Then some of, them, some of you don't want to join that because a care group has to do that. If, if you think like that, then I don't know what to say. Uh. Uh, I don't know what to say. Uh, then that's that now, okay? But join, join a care group because you need a community to grow with. Secondly, you need an authority to, to base a life on. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13 says this, And we also thank God continually, because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of man, but as it actually is, the word of God, which is at work in you who believe. Last Sunday, we listened to Elder Vincent's preaching. Did you receive it? Did you receive it as the Word of God? Did you let it work in you who believe? You remember what he said last Sunday? Or maybe we can't remember. <laughs> what I remembered is believe, then see. Remember that? Believe, then see. And that's like the core of faith. How does the Bible define faith? Being faith as certain of what we do not see. So even when we do not see, we can believe based on the Word of God. That is our authority. That in 2 Timothy 3.16, it says, All Scripture is inspired, is God-breathed, and is useful for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, and training in righteousness. So that, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. The Word of God is the core of our faith. And I'm glad that in our tradition, we are not completely satisfied if a preacher comes to the pulpit and tells you just a bunch of stories, no matter how faith-uplifting it is. We expect to read the Word of God. We expect the Word of God to be central to the stories and, and to life. And so, we study the Word of God. We study it for a lifetime. That's a core value. And this core value translates into a priority. That the Word of God is important and you can only do two things with the Word of God. You either obey it or you don't. And one example that I like to, to, to raise is, for example, that the Word of God tells us that a man should leave his father and his mother and be united to his wife. A practical outcome of that is that this new family unit 
should live separately from the bridegroom's parents as far as, 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 as is possible. But as an Asian father, I would like my sons, if when they get married, to live with me. One big happy family. And then to have my, my grandchildren right next to, to, to me next door. But I can't. Because I cannot base my life's priorities on Asian values. I have to base it on biblical values. And so even now, I'm preparing my own heart to let go. That if I can even help to set them up somewhere else to live away from us, to build their own family unit, I should do that. It is on the basis of being certain of what I do not see. Faith in God that His way is the best way. All over the Bible, it tells us to obey, to obey. It is right. It is right to obey. Deuteronomy 6.25 says, If we are careful to obey all this law before the Lord our God, as He has commanded us, that will be our right righteousness. Obey right righteousness. Deuteronomy 12.28 says, Be careful to obey all these regulations I am giving you, so that it may always go well with you and your children after you, because you will be willing to do what is good and right in the eyes of the Lord your God. Obey right righteous. What is right and righteous? Obey the word. A community to grow with, an authority to base on, and a calling to reach out. You know Acts chapter 1 verse 8. You receive power, and the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will be my witnesses. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the utter most parts of the earth. Colossians 4.5 tells us to be wise in the way you act toward outsiders, those who are outside the faith. Make the most of every opportunity. And so our priority, a biblical priority, is to be always on the lookout to bless someone, to bless someone outside the faith. And we are His witnesses. Where do you live? Maybe you live in Hex 0101, some apartment unit in a block. Maybe you live Hex 5601. You're high up there. And you know that our apartments, wherever we live, is like a courtroom, a witness stand. You stand up in that apartment and you're a witness, witnessing for Jesus Christ. Because people are watching us. People are listening to us. People are seeing if we are selfish neighbors or not. And in some way, that block that you live in has adopted you rather than you adopting them. So where you are in your office, in your classroom, that classroom has adopted you. You know, we go out of our way, we go to Teban Gardens, 8 kilometers away, and we say our cell group has adopted block 40 of Teban Gardens. Where you live, you don't even adopt them. They have adopted you because you're set up there as in a witness stand. What do you do as a witness? See, the principles are all the same. That, that we live our life daily as missionaries. And not just daily as a Bible student, just pouring over the Word and, and never letting it rule in our lives and never letting it act in our lives. We just become one big brain 
looking at the Bible, but the Bible has got to be translated into real life. So we talked about business as missions, and, and, and our sister Choi Yong just showed us, by example, how it is be, to be done. Her first few months was just registering the company, getting it set up uh, in China. Last, last uh, Thursday, uh, I flew to Jakarta, met up with the lawyers, signed a few papers, asked a lot of questions to set up a company because we want to do business in Indonesia, in Batam. We want to buy land, we want to build a school. That's business as mission. You know, when we think about missionaries, we think about sending Choi Yong to the furthest, furthest most part of China and she will stand in some street corner and she will preach the gospel reading the, the Bible. Well, sometimes you do that, but other times you don't. Other times you set up a company. You employ people and you find that your secretary's mother is sick. And so you go out of your way, you travel two hours into the village and you pray for their mother. Or you find out that somebody else has a need and you just uh, offer a gift or something. Business as mission, living your daily life. So whether you're in your classroom, in your office, in some place in faraway China, we are witnesses. And witnesses reach out to. What I would like to call a capping lifestyle. You know, capping, we say community adoption and pastoring. So where you live in your block, where your cubicle is in the office, where you are in the classroom, we practice a capping lifestyle. We go out of our way to Teban Gardens Block 40 and we bring gifts to people. Why not we bring gifts to those in our office? If you uh, bought a very big piece of uh, kueh lapis from Batam, why not cut half and give it to the person in the next door uh, office? Or whatever, whatever. If someone in your office has a mother who's sick, why not go there and pray for that person? Like that, reaching out to. And don't miss opportunities. Okay, in your mind, I think every morning as you get into the office or in, into the classroom, be, be prayerful that, God, what are the opportunities available before me? To be wise in the way we act towards outsiders and to make the most of every opportunity to bless, to reach out to. Community to grow with, an authority to base on, a calling to reach out to, and lastly, a commitment to edify. And I do not know if you've heard of this, but we have a motto here in PPH that I want to promote more and more, and that is you edify, you do not crucify. Okay? What does it mean? Romans 14, 19 says, Let us make every effort to do what leads to peace, and to mutual edification. Edification means build up, build up. We all have a sinful nature. So much easier to tear down than to build up. You know, in some fun fairs, I, I'm not sure if you want to do that in our 3130 in Teban Gardens uh, in July this year, where we're going to have a big carnival. They, they have this like big grand piano that you can take a huge mallet and you can bash the piano up, right? If you come across that, it's, like, it's so great after that you release all your frustration and you feel better after that. Um, why not we have one that builds a piano? Oh, way too difficult, right? Because building something is harder than tearing something down. And, and, and criticizing is easy, but encouraging someone is difficult. And some people feel like they are appointed by God to police and to criticize. And to see what is wrong, at least in their own eyes, and then to tear it down. And there are many internet websites devoted to this kind of thing. You count any prominent 
uh, preacher or pastor, and there will be some websites that will criticize them. But pastors are not perfect, you know? Right? But why not we build them up instead of tearing them down? I have an ex-colleague who, who tells me that his pastor spends most of his sermons attacking other people and criticizing other churches. And, and this is not PPH, okay? This cannot be PPH. I've also heard of people telling the pastor that my job is to check and balance you. Which is very true, okay? Sinful pastors with a sinful nature, then you need to have checks and balances. Otherwise, you like, like take the church money and, 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 and spend it on, on something ridiculous. It's important, but why not, instead of saying my job is to check and balance you, why not say, Pastor, my job is to encourage you, is to edify you, is to build you up. Isn't that much better? 1 Corinthians 10.23 says that all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but not all things edify. Um, where am I going th- with this? I-, I think we really have to watch ourselves. One, one day, um, Richard Chia, who was, I-, I hope you know Richard Chia, who was very instrumental in building up the church building as well as the church here, um, came to my office and we were just ch- chatting. And he said, Kokfai, I'm really being cantankerous. Oh, cantankerous. C-A-N-T-A-N-K-E-R-O-U-S. I said, yeah, Richard, so happened I know the word. So happens I know. Yeah, I said, Richard, I feel the same too. And cantankerous just means cranky. Cranky, you're you're sensitive, you're critical. And I sort of feel like it's age-related. The older you grow, the more cantankerous you are. What do I mean by that? It's like you, you really want to tear things down, you know? You're, you're like being so sensitive when, when somebody uh, says something that, you know, uh, I think PPH, maybe we ought to try this. Uh, or, or, Pastor, why don't you preach on that? We feel like, wow, it's an attack, you know? It's a, an attack on after all the years I've served in this church, you mean I never taught you on this thing? It's, it's like, it's really twisted. And, and then it's, it doesn't edify you, it doesn't edify the person, and you start being sensitive and you start criticizing. Yeah, so even, even if your criticism is correct, is correct, uh, but do you want to live your life that way? Why not swing it to edification, to building up rather than, than tearing down? So if you look at this, care. Core values, C-A-R-E, community, authority, reach out, edify. It's hard to get right, isn't it? Really hard to get right. But you know that, that if values are perverted, it will, link to, it will lead to wrong priorities. So we've got to get our priorities right by getting our care, uh, core values right. What must come first must come first. So what comes first? I came across this uh, from this book, Stephen Covey, uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People or something like that. It's a very interesting matrix uh, to look at the things we do. There are not important and there are important. There are the urgent and the non-urgent. So if you look at quadrant one, uh, it's important and it's urgent. So you've got to do that. Do that now. You look at quadrant two, it's important but it's not urgent. 
And these are the stuff that we often neglect. What you need to do is to schedule it, right? Is it so urgent that you must study the Bible? Not really. But is it important? Yes, very important. So you, you schedule it. It's a long-term investment. Otherwise, I think a lot of the stuff in quadrant two jumps into quadrant one. It becomes important, yes, but also very urgent. And then you're always catching up last minute uh, to do the important things. But if you schedule it in quadrant two, then I think you have balance in life. Quadrant three, not important, but very urgent. That's what they call the deception quadrant. Right? You will end up doing that because it's urgent, but frankly, it's, it's just not important. Why waste time doing that? But you will do it because it's urgent. And quadrant four is not important and it's not urgent. It's called the regret quadrant. You will regret spending your time there because it's not important and it's not, not urgent. But many times we are trapped there. After you have spent eight hours playing Warcraft, and then you say, not important, right? Not urgent, right? Why did I spend eight hours doing that? After you are, you're into your third hour on Facebook, and you say, not important, right? Not urgent, but why did I spend three hours there? And that's why they call it the regret uh, a quadrant. So it kind of like helps you a little bit with what priorities are, but, but what your priorities are depend more on values than, than on, um, on analysis uh, like this. You've got to come back to something. So I lay before you, okay, uh, the core values of, of PPH, C-A-R-E, community, authority, reaching out, and edifying. They are right, they are righteous. When you think of this, I think of Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. What does it mean to seek first his kingdom. Let me read you an excerpt from Roots and Wings, the, the Bible study guide that uh, I hope most of us, all of us, will be following along with in your cell groups, in the community. Okay, let me read that. To seek first does not mean priority, but purpose. To seek first God's kingdom and His righteousness is to intentionally make God our consuming passion. To intentionally and intensely pursue Him above all else and to give Him first place in everything, allowing our thought, our actions, and our very being to be directed by this one priority. Okay, there's a lot of words there. What does it mean? Does it mean, as we often hear, that our priorities are God first, family second, then career or finances? In that order, God, family, career, other things. But how does that work out practically? Does it mean if I put God first before my family? And so practically, it means I will like wake up and have quiet time at least half an hour or one hour before I even say good morning to my wife or my children. Does it mean that? Uh, if I say that I put God before my career, does it mean that all of us should go into full-time Christian service in some Christian organization or in church or at least part-time? Can't be, right? It can't be that you put God before this thing. And in many people, they have a very honest attempt to want to put God first in their lives. That's true. But, but we end up segregating, segregating Jesus from the different priorities in, in our lives. And that's the exact opposite of what Jesus wants. He doesn't just want to be 
first before our priorities. He wants to be first in them, in them, to be in the center of our families, to be in the center of our career, to be in the center of our finances. And where He rules, where He reigns in His kingdom, it is right and it is righteous. So Jesus rules over your family, your career, and your finances. Um, you read children's stories. There was one about a five-year-old boy imagining what it would be like if he ruled the world. So what do five-year-olds do when they rule the world? He says, if I were to be in charge of the world, I'll cancel vegetables. I will cancel Monday mornings and I will cancel homework. Another one said, if I were to be in charge of the world, nights would be longer, holidays would be longer, bakwa healthier, this is my own addition, and basketball hoops would be one meter lower because they're five-year-old, right? And if I were to be in charge of the world, a chocolate sundae ice cream with whipped cream and nuts would be vegetable. That would be great. What if God were to be in charge of your world? What would it be like? If God were to be in charge of your world, then whether you eat or you drink or whatever you do, you would do it all for the glory of God. 1 Corinthians 10.31 If God were to be in charge, I would have a community to grow with. I'll be so concerned for the body of Christ. I'll be eager to participate in a cell group, to minister to someone, have someone minister to me. I'll, I'll be coming to church punctually so as not to disrupt people when I, when I saunter in. And I will go home from church, go home from cell group after encouraging someone and after someone has encouraged me. And it'd be just a good time to leave the church on Sunday. If God were in charge, His words would be the authority I would base my life on. I would believe first and I will obey then I will see amazing things happen in my life. And, and there will be no lousy sermons from lousy pastors because I will look for that gem in that lousy sermon and I will catch on to that and I will obey and then I will see amazing things happen. And by these words, by the authority of God's word, I would be equipped for every good work. That's what I believe. If God were in charge, I would have a clear calling to reach out, I would have God's heart for the lost and God's heart for missions. I would sponsor many Batam children through school. If God were in charge, I would be committed to edify the body of Christ. And I would be careful not to let my words or my actions stumble anyone. And I would instead seek to build them up, edify them in faith, in hope, in love. That's what I would do kind of like high ideals. Let me do one very simple uh, down-to-earth experiment. Eh? If something like this should, should happen, and oh, I, I want to I share with you my, uh, my ringtone. in the middle of a service, uh, you go back to the matrix that we talked about, right? Was it urgent? Hi, sweetie, text message. Hi, sweetie, text message. It'd be very urgent because you're like disturbing everybody, right? 
um, would it be important? Well, many of us have uh, caller ID. You know straight away whether it is an important call uh, or not. Probably not important, huh? unless uh, you've got a friend or a relative in ICU and it's like touch and go. Any moment you're expecting that call. Probably not important. But what do we do? We would be like, uh, hello, uh, I'm going to get out of this room first, huh? okay? Um, hold, hold on, hold on. It's like, it's so important. Or we will be quickly replying that text message in the middle of a sermon. In the middle of a sermon. Or in the middle of worship. Why, why do we do that? Why has this thing become such a priority in, your, in our lives? Maybe we should ask about our values. Has it been perverted? Has it been twisted? I think it's a very simple example. So if we take time today to go through some of the things that we do, that sometimes it's like even, uh, what do they call that? Um, yeah, it's like unintentional. It's just we, we do what we do. And, and then we reflect a little bit on why do we do that? We reach our values. And maybe we need to readjust uh, our values. What drives our behavior? Our values drives our behavior. I want to say one more thing, and this is the toilet thing. Okay. Um, why do people stand up in the middle of worship or in the middle of a sermon and they, they go to the toilet? I know it's urgent. <laughs> it's urgent. It's also very important. It's in quadrant one. But can we make it go to quadrant two? Like before we come here at 11.15, just go lah. Go to the toilet before we come. Because if you go for a job interview, I know many of us are, 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 are nervous. Or before you walk into an exam hall, where's the first place you will go to? You go to the toilet. Because the exam and the job interview is, is valuable. It's important to you. And you will prioritize the activities around it. But when it comes to church, it's not that way. You know, the full-time staff, we, we went to Malacca for a full-time staff retreat last week uh, because we wanted to, like, wreck the place before the church came. It's in the same place. And it's like, oh, bus is here. Where's the first place we hit? Toilet. Before we bought the bus and then go on a journey. It's like, it's just a natural priority thing to do because of, I don't know, some values, right? Ah, but we always exercise grace here, okay? You need to go now, please go. <laughs> grace for emergencies, emergencies only. But, but do reflect a bit as I ask the musicians to come up. Reflect a bit on do you look at these four things and see that this, you can prioritize your life based on this? That these are values that are right and that are righteous? And if not, then what adjustments do we make, need to make? then maybe we need to go back, you know, in that circle from priorities to values to, I don't know, biblical identity and all that. Maybe we are not yet a child of God and therefore you look at these things and say, yeah, it doesn't mean very much. Or maybe our idea of God is wrong, that uh, He is some policeman up in heaven and looking out for things to criticize. If we get that chain right from who God is, to the purpose for our being that is a relationship of love, that God loves us and therefore we love Him and we love our neighbor as, as our, ourselves. Get these values right and then our lives, priorities 
would follow accordingly. So just spend a few moments as we think about that. I want to encourage you to, to seek God. Remember Choi Young saying, Seek, you'll find. Knock, it'll be opened unto you. Ask, you will receive. And as we look at priorities in our lives, we need to go back to values. Ask God. Ask God to press the reset button for some of us. How do I reset my values aright? How do I, in every area of my life, in my studies, in my relationships, in my pursuits in life, how to put God there first? Make Him the center so that we will have a balance all around God. And He will add all these other things unto us. You get that right, you get that righteous thing right, and all these other things will be added unto you. Now, how to get it right is to seek God first. Hallelujah.
let me now open up the altar seek ask knock ask for God's help if you don't feel like you're really integrated into this church community come seek God first okay don't just run from one cell group to another but seek God first and pledge before him ask him to help and, and to be able to feel an uh, integral part of this community, to have friends around you in a cell group is, is such a precious experience. Maybe some of us are not experiencing that now. Then let's come. Let's come to the altar and ask God for it. And ask God also to identify for you the, the people that, that you want to join to, to bless, to minister to. Secondly, on the authority of God's word, perhaps the Lord is already tugging at your heartstrings that there is some area of disobedience. Maybe the Lord has asked you to forgive this person for the 70th time, but you feel you can't. There is this person that is just impressed upon your heart that you ought to be reaching out to, but you've not been able to do that. Ask him to. Come to the altar, seek God's grace, seek God's help. There are someone you need to go edify. You need to go encourage him and stand beside him. Give him a pat on the shoulder, a firm handshake, a verse from the Bible. Maybe there's somebody's mother you need to go minister to, to edify. Ask God for the strength and the enabling to do that. As we sing this chorus one last time, give God the glory. He is able. He's able to reset your life, to refresh your life, to reset your priorities. the altar and have some of us pray with you I encourage you to, to do that but now we pray so that those who need to leave can leave God we thank you for your word to us Lord that you are a God who seeks to want to put everything right in our lives to put everything righteous in our lives to add unto us all these other things and so we seek you Lord we seek you first in our heart we seek you first for our family, for our career, our studies, our relationships. Lord, would you come into the center of all those areas and let everything else revolve around you so that it'll be right, so that it'll be righteous. And God, I pray for my brothers and sisters here. I pray that each one will enjoy 
the community here in PPH and PPH and, and, and some some small group that they would have the joy of being able to bless someone and of having someone to bless them. I pray, Lord, that each one will seek to base their life on the authority uh, of your word. That when we believe, when we act on it in obedience, then we will see the amazing right and righteous thing, righteous things that you will put into our lives. I pray, God, that when we step out of here, there will be people, there will be divine appointments that you will set up that we might reach out to someone in love and with the love and the grace of God. That there will be someone we will build up, we will encourage unto love and good deeds. This is our prayer, Lord. And so we ask. We know you will give. This is our prayer, Lord. So we seek and we seek you first to be the center of every area of our lives. And so we knock and we pray that doors might be open for us to reach out and touch someone, to reach out and edify someone. That is your word, Lord. We believe and we will see you working through us as your witnesses. So we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.